Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man, for that uh, scintillating introduction. It is the big guy and the big guy, the big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show. And uh, we got sports aboard to talk about, typically the more, much often more than the sports, but uh, certainly the Miami Heat made a statement yesterday, and the statement being made by Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. They got help from their friends this time. Wasn't all just the dynamic duo. Chris Boss is still up. We'll talk some NBA playoffs. Game six, Boston and Philadelphia tonight. The protesters have left town. The big dog has had a day to let it all sink in. If you missed Monday's scintillating edition of our show, go back at our archives at Mike Two Guys at www.mike2guys.com and check that out. But uh, we'll kind of refresh that today and see if he's got some uh, additional thoughts now that it's been able to sink in a little bit. At any rate, Coach and the Big Dog with you up until 11 o'clock. Let's play a little bit of music, and I will introduce my extremely semi-esteemed guest. No, I won't introduce my semi-esteemed guest. <laughs> Can we play music? The music's almost done here. So huh? You talked out the music, so if I, I pot it up, it's just going to... Oh, we have no music now. Why am I hearing music? Well, because the music's about to end. Oh, okay. I thought Dave was waving off my semi-esteemed guest. Of course, uh, he's not really a guest. He's our co-host. But he is semi-esteemed. It's my good friend and co-host, Mr. Joel Redwanski. Big Dog, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right, Coach. That, that was one hell of an intro. I'm fired up now, i tell you that much. Thank I'm you very much. Right Thank now. you very much indeed. I'm glad you are. But uh, now that you've hit, we'll get to uh, the Miami Heat in just a second, the resurgence of the Miami Heat. And uh, we will have to bring up the Cubs' eight-game losing streak. Sorry about that. But you've had a day or two to let it commiserate, let it sink in a little bit. Like the bowl of spaghetti. I don't know about you, but I find the spaghetti much tastier the following day or even two days after when the noodle and the meat sauce and the Parmesan cheese have truly become one. So using that very strange analogy, I let now as you let it sink in, some of your thoughts a couple days after, now that the protesters have left town, on how the NATO weekend went. Now, uh, yeah, I was down there a couple days uh, checking in all the different uh, people that were down there and, and what they had to say. And, uh, you know, I had my own prejudices, my own stereotypes, and I was going down there. And uh, I was happily, happily rewarded with the fact that not everybody down there was what I, who I thought they were going to be. And there was a lot of people with very interesting points of view, and like I've always said this, I have no problem with anybody's thinks. Just don't try to force your way of thinking down my throat. Mm-hmm. And I've always, I've always, and I would never want to force my way down anybody else's throat. There's, we can all live together, and not have to uh, deal with okay. or force or try to, like I don't know, force your belief on somebody. And when there are religions and political points of view that force their point of view down your throat that mm-hmm. really bothers me coach right, i okay, think most of us most of us agree with that but there is the the dreaded gray area big dog where well, where does forcing and where does making your viewpoint well, become it's, it's no simple. 
it's, it's simple. I'm down there, and there's people talking about, you know, they want, you know, different action with police. There's other people saying we need to do things with more uh, renewable energy. You know, there's all types of, and I was like, you know, okay. Well, then, you know, go about doing it. You know, start a wind farm. You know what I mean? So, you know, I was all happy with that. But here's the thing. Here's my point of view as I'm trying to get at. I am never going to get upset or even do anything about anybody with those types of perspectives and points of view that mm-hmm. aren't trying to force anything on me. Okay. But when you have people screaming for socialism, marching down the streets of the city of Chicago, I'm going to stand up and tell them that they are wrong, okay? And I have, I had no fear. I was outnumbered 50 to 1 every single time. But I will never let anybody try to have our political system turn into a way that's really going to affect me and any type of children that I would want to have here. So I am extremely proud that I went there and learned something about a bunch of different perspectives and also to the fact that I was able to stand up when I was truly outnumbered by many people. And obviously, they're all in their whole kumbaya world of, hey, let's, we, need, we need less corruption and less you know, stuff in politics. Oh, okay, so you're going to give more control to the government. I, these people, they were driving me crazy, Coach. But, I mean, they, they, like, they really want what's best for everybody. But, and they, they're really, what they're trying to bring upon us would make it a million times worse. Well, maybe, and, but on the other hand, oh, Big no, Dog. Not maybe, not maybe. Well, yeah, Nobody, no. You still have, over, over 10 years of us doing this show together, you still have never given me an example of where socialism was good anywhere in the world. Maybe. It's your opinion, uh, but, you know, and they had the right... My opinion, my you is still, to this day, you've never given me an example of a country or a political system where socialism well, didn't end up, where everybody got completely hammered by a few small percentage of people who mm-hmm. controlled everything. First of all, I think so, when they say socialism, big dog, I don't know that every single protester out there is, is saying socialism to the letter of to the those. law, but, but like understand... I, said, I only stood up and said something to those, not anybody else. I could care less about... I will never try to stop anybody else's belief, but when you're talking about trying to bring in a political system that will affect me directly and all of us, yeah, then and for some of us, that's, my, that's the difference. That's my point. Well, I that's understand. The, that's my point. My point would be for many of the folks out there, some of socialism's philosophies will make for a better life for many of those no, people than the yeah, no, absolutely. And no, again, you know, it's, it's the most vile system ever. It's when you decide to take from those uh, from their abilities and give to those to their need. That all seems oh, it's so old. Look, and I'm going to have lollipops for breakfast. What ends up happening is the people that actually do produce for the whole society realize, you know what, I'm not going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. And it can, example after example after example throughout history has proven that every time you punish the people that are producing and give to the people who do not produce anything, it ends up that system looks great for a couple of years and then crashes down and never, ever works. Well, you okay. may be right. You may be right in history, but, you know, there's got to be a first time. But I think it's the well, message. Well, yeah, that's right, you're going to rewrite history. It's the message. Yeah, what the heck? You're smarter than Karl Marx, uh, Lenin. You're smarter than uh, Mao in China. Well, hopefully you're smarter than him because how many people did he kill? By you're the way, smarter than all these people. Mao so spelled backwards is Ohm. The best 
way to take from those from their ability and still have them say, "Okay, I'm all skippy with it. I'll do. I'll take all the risk and walk uh-huh. in. I'll give to everyone well, else." You know, you're you're criticizing a big dog and you're making it sound horrible and maybe to well, its it extreme. Is, no, it it's is, not. Coach. Maybe it to is. its extreme. Always, maybe to its extreme it's never worked in the past, but there are extreme. a lot of philosophy. Understand the message of what these people, for the most part, are trying to get across. The message and what is making them so angry and why they have flown or bust or trained here from parts unknown into an uncomfortable living condition to protest is because there's such inequity in society right now, Big Dog, where the, you know, the, the picture that you just painted creates people with three houses and millions and millions and millions of dollars, and meanwhile other people are getting laid off, or if they are lucky enough to be working, you know, are having their wages cut just so companies can get by. So there's an inequity there. That's what the people are fighting for, not necessarily letter to the law socialism. That's where their anger comes from. Well, my point, you have no, you didn't hear anything that I was saying to you. Coach. Yes, I did. I have no problem in those people that are, that are just trying to figure out a way to get corruption out of our political system. It's not okay. just corruption. Well, Coach, there has to be you. You have, should be have to work for what you want in life. Nobody okay? will. Nobody will argue that, including the well, protesters. Well, None of the protesters would argue that comment, Big Dub. But uh, and when it comes down to socialism, it ends up being basically, oh, you just start splitting. We're going to divide wealth. Nah. It's basically what it's about. That is that is exactly what it's about, Coach. Is the vision of wealth. We've never figured. No one's ever done socialism in any other way where it wasn't division of, uh, of wealth. And isn't it crazy? Oh, the people at the top are decide who gets and gets what. How come the, the most poor people on the planet are usually in societies that are socialist? Okay, so think about China. You know what? I know some very good people, and they tell me the horror stories of China, and it is absolutely ridiculous. Hey, let's let's do more of this. Let's figure, let's bring in more government and control. What everybody gets to do and what they make, and let's split it up. Or oh, that person's making too much, so let's put control on. Why should a politician get to decide what somebody makes? When that happens, coach, you get well, the whole basis I think, of the society is destroyed. Well, and I think you're getting a little carried away. I think no, politicians. Well, hold on, away. hold on a there's, second. There's you made a statement. Let me. Million people in China and 1.19 right. billion of them live in total average poverty. Big dog, you, you, you made a statement. Take a pill for a second. Let me respond to it. I would argue that the politicians, and that word right there conjures up such, you know, I don't know if hatred is the right word, but negativity right now, probably rightfully so. But they do form what we call the government. Government at times can do things correctly. Now, if government can somehow limit a little bit and control the amount of excess that certain companies that if it's uncontrolled, hold on, that if it's uncontrolled and unregulated, can make the rich get richer, the big get bigger, and, and give no opportunities for those on the lower end of the scale. If government can step in and not make things perfectly even, you're not painting a fair utopia. Nobody's arguing for that. Everybody says they should work, but an opportunity to work, if they can step in and put some regulations in to make things a bit more even, that's what most of us want. You want to call that socialism? Whatever you want to call it, put a name to it. That's what most of us want. Coach, we don't live in a fairytale world, okay? The people 
who control the people who get elected are the people that are willing to sell their souls. And you are the one that wants these people to regulate the stuff. That is the that is this common sense factor that people can't get through their heads. That we do not live in a cartoon Disney World society. We live in a place that people with a lot of money, very, very bad and evil people, will do anything to make sure they get the right elected people in. And now you want to hand over control of, hey, let's let these guys decide who gets hurt and who doesn't get hurt. Okay? That is, that is what is wrong with it, Coach. I, I wish we lived in a place where, you know what, hey, we really knew how people got elected. We really knew who gave the money. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, say, hey, you know what, Rupert Murdoch, how about this? Why don't you say this on your program? Hey, you know what, MSNBC? Hmm, you know what? I don't know if I don't know if our drug companies are going to actually uh, advertise on your channels anymore because mm-hmm. well, you know, the next thing you know, okay, and then all of a sudden stories that are, are about one particular politician that are positive, ones are negative. All of a sudden it changes a little bit, and you win one particular state that you didn't need to win or that you really needed to win, and you get these guys in all the time, coach. And you want more power to these people, which is what you're asking for. It's a good that, point. That is, it, that is the basis. Uh, these people that are marching are like, there's so much corruption in politics. Let's give more power to the government. Oh, oh God. It is a good point that you bring up, and it is sports guys talking politics here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show. You want to chime in in the conversation. Hopefully you're still with us. A lot of people, you know, Tuning in to find out how we resurrect the Cubs in their eight-game losing streak, and all of a sudden, well, Twitter, Twitter, and Twitter is down, so I haven't been able to post, listen live right now. My Twitter's up, but eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number again, triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. The phone number, Big Dog. You do bring up a good point. The politics is so pitiful right now that it is worrisome that the people that are elected, uh, who many times are not really. The people we want representing themselves are just the people that decide to enter the political spectrum uh, are the ones making those rules. So I agree with you. That's that's a problem. Not that every politician is bad, but but that's a problem. But just because all the you know, maybe we don't trust all the politicians right now. That doesn't mean the theory of having government step in and having some regulations to help the little guy. And control the big guy. That that theory, to me, is still correct. Even though you're right, some of the politicians making the calls right now, we might not trust. Uh, quite frankly, most most of the times in the history of the United States, whenever there was uh, government stepping in and then creating regulation, you know, it, it, it looked like <laughs> it was like makeup for like six months or or through somebody else's election. Then you you came by, you find out that. It actually jacked up everything much more. It happens. How about the housing crisis over the last uh, 15 years? Hey, the government's going to step in and we're actually going to start paying. This is what the government's idea is because everybody deserves a home, right? Right, Coach? Everybody deserves a home. Yes. Doesn't Because, you know, what? It's, it's so unfair that so many people don't have homes. Uh, some people have to live in apartments, but it's the American dream to live in a home. So forget the American dream. We're just going to hand the American dream out. So people like my best friend who own a mortgage company get paid $10,000 for every subprime loan they sign up. And and at first he's like, this makes no sense. I'm, they're paying me to sign a subprime loan, and then they back it. Then the, 
the government decides to back the loan, okay, and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of people that can't afford homes out in the housing market. And, oh, it's so great because all these people cannot afford homes. The government's stepping in and doing the right thing and making it even for everybody. And then when about half of those people can no longer afford the homes, the housing market collapses because all these foreclosures. And then people that actually were hardworking people their whole lives, saved up their money, had great credit, all of a sudden their home is worth $150,000 less than it was, and they're figuring out how to get their kid through college. And, and all of us, the government wanted to, hey, we want to, we want to make sure that uh, our constituency still keeps on voting for us. So we're going to hand out a, a bunch of money to people who really don't deserve it, and now a bunch of other middle American, middle class Americans who make anywhere from you know eighty to uh, two hundred thousand dollars a year between a couple that have done everything right in their life get totally done right in the butt. Everybody, everybody's worried about the poor people and the, the people way at the top end up getting the pain. You know, they make too much and there's way too many poverty. And every time a regulation comes in, you know who always gets it? The David Olsons, the John Cones, and the Joel Wanskis of the world, Coach. And I, I, sometimes I don't understand why you guys are real, real nice guys. But the, I don't understand why sometimes you don't, you don't see that this overreaction of the liberal side of basically be like, oh, we have to help everybody, ends up costing mm. the middle class more than anything. Maybe maybe the overreaction, you might be right. But the reaction, I would disagree with you. You brought up, you know, a housing project. Well, yeah. well you know, housing but, projects, but, but didn't housing what? projects, I mean, housing projects, uh, some, some didn't work in the long run, but they helped. They didn't helped. They? they helped. Uh, I, want, I want to let you know, in the 19... 19- Whatever they did in the 70s, I, I, I don't know exactly how it ended up that way. But by the 1980s, when I was a kid and was aware of this, and like mm-hmm. Jane Burns started living in the Cabrini Green Project right. and all that, it was basically to the fact where they just had a free place to live. If you wanted to live there, it was basically going to cost you $20 a month. Mm-hmm. Okay, And even in the 1970s, $20 a month was like what you would pay in 1890. Okay, I don't know if it was that low. But... It was basically free housing, and it all, everything looked good. And then it ended up being where they started giving out money. There was this is during the Reagan time now. So now during this, people started living in basically free housing. All of a sudden, it really wasn't respected. There was a lot of areas, especially in Philadelphia and Chicago and Detroit, where it was like the worst in those three cities. I mean, the places ended up being like war zones. Okay, and then by the 1980s, uh, I don't know if it was the Reagan administration. I have to check this out, but they started uh, doling out money to to women that had children and didn't have a way to support them. And all of us would think, you know what, that's a real good idea. It does, It seems like we don't want a mom who's got a kid and not be able to feed the kid. Next, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff ends up happening with that. Mm-hmm. So the only way they would hand out money was if the uh, the woman was unwed. And they would give you more money per kid. So they, they would actually have. So we all think, oh, this is good. We're, we're taking care of unmarried mothers and their children. Well, what ends up happening is these, these women decide, I'm not going to get married because the government's giving me a check. And another thing is they wouldn't even want the man living in the house because they would actually have government workers go through different places. Oh, well, we're going to go to this particular housing project today because there's 15 people here that we're actually giving money to with with kids, and they would go check to see if a man was living there. If there was, they're like, oh, we have to worry about that because there could be someone providing money here. It was like these these programs, Coach, 
we have so many corrupt people that are making these programs, okay? We, you think that it's all well and good and everything is, you know, we're doing it the right way. So I swear to you, some of them are set up to make sure it makes things worse yeah. in the long run. I don't know that anybody out there is saying that they were all well and good. There were problems associated with it, but on the other hand, it was a case, one could argue, where government stepped in and the positives outweighed the negative. How has how how the welfare state helped the United States well, at all? Now, the welfare state has a lot of issues. I was specifically talking about in the welfare state, again, in theory, is good. Theory, Obviously, was, we all know. How is it good in theory? To just, so you have, you're giving people an option. They're like, wow, well, my mom. Never worked, and she got money her whole life and lived in a horrible house, but she never had to do anything. And you know what? I'll do that, too. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. What are the percentage of people that end up going? Yeah. Like, it's, like, exponentially worse. Like, if, if I, I don't know what it is, but if you, like, grow up on welfare, you're most likely, you're more likely to grow up on welfare uh, become on welfare and have your kids go on welfare uh-huh. than anybody else. Well, but that's, a, that's, that's, that's another case as conservatives use that so much where statistics obviously is a, you know, well, complete. Well, statistics it's common sense. Well, I, of course it's common sense. Think about the home. Think it, about how a child growing up in that situation. Okay? Don't think about a statistic, Coach. I'm not talking stats. But, Big Dog, if they, if they didn't get welfare, they'd still have a much higher percentage of growing up poor. So the fact that they're getting the welfare, that's that's a ridiculous statistic because no, okay. I mean, they, they began in a situation where they're growing up poor. So, of course, the percentage that they're going to grow up and be poor themselves is going to be true. So that, that statistic... There, there's got to be something better than just giving money away to people because they're poor. And there's, all, you know, there's also you know, got to be something better than... you know the way people get elected, you know, nowadays. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of things that need to be changed, Coach. By the way, easy to but, criticize. This, this holds true in sports talk as well. We talk about this. Easy to criticize. But, you know, offer a more positive suggestion. We've tried in the past, the housing projects and welfare. Far from a perfect system, but don't kid yourself. It's had some positive effect, too. It has saved, it has helped, you know, probably literally the lives of a lot of people giving some of the food stamps and some of the welfare. Again, lots of problems, and it's not done properly, and I'm not advocating giving money to people on a continued basis where they have no inspiration to get a job. But on the other hand, I think the conservatives pass that message that it's a complete disaster, and you don't hear the message often enough that there is a lot of positives that have come out of the welfare system, a lot of people that have reached a certain level of happiness in their life because of that. We don't hear about those stories often enough. Uh, yeah, well, I, all I know is this, is the local drug dealer does accept food stamps and uh, a link card. You can buy purple drink and licorice with them as much as you want. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I, I, you know, I, 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 legitimately, it was like two years ago, I was freaking starving, barely had enough money to uh, feed myself. And I see these fools coming out of the 7-Eleven with like, like stacks of soda pop and candy, and they're buying it with a link card. Yep. Seriously. That's... I mean, I was like, I, I just want to throw an elbow on one of their yeah. heads. So... Yeah, I hear you. That's not good. That's not good. I think uh, the, the protesters and you could kumbaya on that particular one, Big Dog. There's oh. issues out there, but don't don't get too caught up in the extreme. Oh, don't let me tell them, don't get extreme. The point is, we if you want to give more control to the government... It's going to end up totally ravaging this country, Coach. We need to have they need less control. 
We need more power to the people of the United States and less to the people that are running this country. They have way too much power. They have no disclosure. Whenever anything fishy happens, you have extremely smart people on the left and right and exactly where I think going after them. But somehow it goes. So who do you want running after the government? And they make them look like coops. So you're you're okay with the big banks and the big corporations pretty much running the country? No, 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 not at all. Well, it sounds like I am for individual, individual. Yeah, that's 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 you're you're now you're living in utopia. That's not the no, way it no, works. No, 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 you're right. No, the point is we do have to, there are, we have to sever the tie. You know, there was a thing, there was a time in, in, the, in the United States when they wanted to sever the tie from religion and, and the Constitution and the rights of man. Okay? And that was the major thing. They didn't want religion tied in to your rights as a citizen for whatever country that, that you were. The United States decided to be a, sec- uh, a secular society. Well, people don't realize now the new religion is now corporations. Corporations are ruling this world. I have no problem with business. I have no problem with capitalism. I do have a problem with corporations getting people elected, Coach. So don't tell me that I think we live in a utopia. Are you? I'm the first one telling you that we do not, Okay. Right, throughout, well. this whole, throughout this whole thing, what everybody is forgetting about are just civil liberties that all of us as individuals should have. And continually they are taken from us and other things are forced down the throat. The fact that this Obamacare was going to force you to buy health insurance. Now, we can go on and on about, you know, the rights and wrongs with health insurance. I don't want to get into that argument now, okay, but... No one in this country should be forced to do anything. What about getting the right to choose should you be, they want. If you want to drive a car, should you be forced to get a driver's license? Okay. Now that is that's now that is a privilege. Yes, you're right. Okay. So I, you know, and it's I guess we're going to have the government should control things like the roads. Okay, since taxpayers are paying for it, mm-hmm. now let's just have a little bit more openness in how these roads are built. Okay. And I would have, uh, I'd have no problem. Yeah, with but that's that. that's an example. You make it sound sound so extreme that you know the government is forcing us to get health insurance. Well, you know, if it yeah, passes yeah. thirty years from now, it could just become, and in many other countries, it is just a normal okay. way of they, thinking. Of course, force, everybody should everybody have everybody health. To get a, they don't force everybody to get a driver's license, do they? You don't have to have a driver's license if you want to drive. So that's so that's a really bad example that you just gave me because, but if you want to drive. Then you gotta get help. Then mm-hmm. you gotta get uh, a driver's license. Okay, so I, I don't have a driver's license. I'll never have one. Okay, I'm a tree hugging libertarian. <laughs> I, I get more accomplished on the hour that I'm on the train, and it's the only time in my world that I, I can mm-hmm. have like an hour to myself. So I, I've come to the realization that everybody else needs to live their life a certain way because it's been packaged and programmed into their head their whole freaking life. Kids, boys always have the, the Camaro up on, the, like, the, or the Corvette, like, in a in a poster up on the wall next to the blonde girl up there. I, you know, I, I didn't have that as a kid. I had other things that I, was, I had more interest in. So. <laughs> that's you your, know, that's is, your story, and you're sticking to it, huh? Well, so many of us right. are programmed, and, and we have to think a certain way, and we end up wanting things that you really don't need to want. People need to take a step back and realize what's right or wrong every once in a while. And 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 I, I know right now I'm in the minority everywhere by 
you know, actually defending capitalism. Mm-hmm. Okay, but compared compared to other ways that we could choose as a society to go about our system, I would much prefer capitalism. Yeah. And yes, some people fall by the wayside rather than go to hey, let's have total, let's give the government All control right. over if everything that we can do, right or wrong. If okay? You're willing if you're willing to accept that, that's fine. I I'm not quite willing and I, I'm a little more oh, hold on I'm a little more active and looking for a better way I don't accept the fact that Mark Zuckerberg can lose two billion dollars in one week that's not right you could say that's part of capitalism and that's the way it's got to go but you know I don't think that's right and well, what, I refuse what's not right about it that why, why shouldn't nobody nobody should have that much money when so many others are struggling what a coach well, we're basically living in a social society almost at this moment now. Okay, so don't don't don't. Why should he not have the right to to make as much money as as he wants to? Okay, he's he's not going out there. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is behind the scenes actually getting people elected and and making sure Facebook is. Pro- I don't think well, that's happening. The, the okay. answer to your question is just it's almost to me human instinct. It's just common sense. It's human instinct that somebody should not have that amount of excess of riches and, and, when okay, so many here's other... The, here's the problem. Here's the problem, Coach. Who determines that? And who gets to take it from them? So who gets that position? That's I agree. I'm not saying understand. it's easy. Ooh, okay? I'm That's not... You guys don't understand it. The guy that would be taking it from them, then why would he? Why should he have a Why should that? Because not only does Zuckerman only have $19 billion, well, the guy that just took the $2 billion from him, you bring well, up, he's got about $5 trillion. It's a good point, big dog. It's a good point. How do you control it, et cetera? But to say that because it can't be controlled, that we just have to leave it the way it is, again, you may accept I that. I, I don't. That? I never said that. I never said it that. It sounds exactly like what you're saying. Well, I haven't heard has, you offer you a know, suggestion. The problem is you can't. You know, you're Mr. I'm open-minded, yet you, you can never hear anything. You hear what you choose to hear. <laughs> you think I want, I, I've been with you for 10 years. Do you really think I'm happy with the status quo of the United States of America? Are you being serious? You have all, I'm the one that usually goes to these marches. I'm the one that goes out and talks to people. Don't you ever talk to me like I'm the one that <laughs> doesn't understand or, or doesn't have an open mind about something. Uh, but, I have complained about the status quo. I, well, I'm the one normally complaining. You're the one that's always, you have the one that get me off the edge all the time. <laughs> Don't say that to me. Well, I guess what I'm worried about is you're starting, you're starting to go back on the edge. I feel like you're losing your edge because, and I understand you're battling myself, David Olson, our old producer, Swamp Rat, Kevin Aran, the protesters were just in town, so you're having maybe a little rebound, bounce back reaction, but I'm worried, big dog. That I'm starting to hear the there's nothing we can do capitalistic way. What are you? I'm the only one saying we have to do something. Okay. No, it didn't sound like it. The last want more power to the government, and I'm telling you that is our issue. They are the ones that are giving us the the old hammer in the butt, coach. All right. All right. Can we move on? I'm fine with it. Okay, but yeah, go ahead. 888-463-6748, a fired up and slightly for club big dog, Joel Radwanski and the coach here, two guys in a mic, sports talk and more today with more was politics. I just threw out a little, you know, I thought it would take maybe 30 seconds for the big dog to take a breath and bring in the protester, but good stuff, big dog. Good stuff. I feel your pain. I feel the passion. I think we're a lot more 
alike than we realize, but uh, there's some certain differentiations, and uh, they came to an exclamation mark in the first 32 minutes of today's show. All right. Can we can we get to the sports world? Yeah, yeah well, I'll be more than happy to. <laughs> oh, NBA basketball yesterday, the Miami Heat big dog making a statement of sorts. Uh Absolutely destroying the Indiana Pacers. LeBron James, 30 points. D. Wayne Wade, 28 points. They're up 3-2. to two. Most people think the Heat are back on track. Foregone conclusion. What I want to know from our NBA basketball instinctualist, that's what I'm calling you. You're not really an expert, but you're an instinctualist. Can I use that word? I, I, I don't know. I, that's, I a hell of, that's a hell of a word. I like that. An instinctualist. Uh, Indiana done? Miami rolling? Or have we boiled the pot a little bit too early? Well, we, the, the Heat have always surprised us when, right when we think they have it solved, they fall apart over the last, uh, 1.9 years. Cause this, you know, this year is coming to the end for them. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes to a game seven coach. So I, I would not write off the Pacers in game six. I, I would, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I will predict them to actually yep. win that game. For the whole series, let me watch Let me watch game six first. Yeah. But, uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I, my in, instincts say that uh, it's not over yet. Yeah, not going, over yet. Game seven. Yeah. By the way, Leopard Skin Larry just uh, tweeted in, uh, said you called Big Dog an instinctualist. You got half of it right. He said the stinks part is correct. Yeah, that's, that's fine with me. I'll be more than happy to. A shot. Like, like you said. Be the one who always takes all the shots on the show. Leopard that's skin Larry. Always me. I'm the criminal. I'm the guy that I, I'm always wrong. I, I, know. I know. Firing on the big dog. Leopard skin Larry. That's just not right. Um, by the way, our Twitter handle, if you want to check in, help me out, David. I'm still a little confused. It's Mike, two guys. Do they have to put anything else in it or not? Just Mike, two guys, right? M-I-C and the number two. You want to send us a tweet, a Twitter, a twinkle, whatever it might be, a birthday gift, feel free to do so. Uh, Mike, M-I-C, and the number two. Mike, two guys. Yes, Actually, Dave. I correct that. It's uh, two guys, Mike. Two guys, the Mike. The number two guys, Mike. Two guys, Mike. Yep. Really? Oh, there it is. Staring right in front of him. We're up to 520 followers, big dog. Excellent. Yeah. You'll That's notice uh, when This Year Man tweets out, we try to retweet all the This Year Man tweets. And I would have done all that this year, but exactly, or today, but exactly at 9.58, my uh, my Twitter went down. And nah. I just not, Brutal. I don't feel like getting on there right now and then putting it back Brutal. up. All right, Boston at Philadelphia tonight. The Celtics up 3-2. to two. That's uh, quietly, not many people talking about it. Been a hell of a series. Philadelphia at home tonight. Do they force a Game 7? Uh, why not? In, in that series, uh, right now they're the best AC that has ever played in the NBA playoffs. Besides the, I guess the the '99 uh, New York Knicks and that strike shortened season, but the Sixers they look like a legitimate playoff team. Now it's been ugly basketball. I haven't watched much of it, Coach. Honestly, I think I've less watched in a total quarter of the first five games mm-hmm. so far. It has been brutal. If you thought the Bulls Sixers had a hard time scoring the basket, it's, like, <laughs> it's just as bad. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's like it's gone exponentially, except for when Brandon Bass went off. One thing I saw a clip of I, I wanted to bring up, it reminded me of you and I about eight minutes ago. Uh, they just showed it real quick, you know, this huge rivalry that the Sixers and the and the, and the Celtics have that people might not appreciate in yep. the Midwest, but they really do loathe each other. Mm-hmm. They showed a real quick uh, snippet of the day that Dr. J and Larry Bird got into a fight, wow. and it was a real fight. Remember that? No. 
It was in the mid-80s. Two non-confrontational guys, two very classy guys. I do not remember that. And we're talking choking, Coach. They were choking each wow. other in the middle of the court when bombs started going. And uh, that was that was the, the early to mid-80s, 76ers. Moses Malone was on the team. Let's just say it wasn't a real good idea for Larry Bird to be grabbing him like that because uh, Moses got there before Robert Parrish could, is all I can say. Ooh, Larry took a shot, Coach, from Moses. It was not good. You got I, somebody. I, I, I don't remember. I remember the fight. I don't remember Moses with the big shoulder in the into Bird's head to break it up. Huh. It was so. I do not remember that at all. But you're absolutely correct. If you have someone uh, watching your back, I take Moses Malone much more ahead of the Chief Robert Parrish, who you know, peace and love was what the Chief was all about. Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, he. This is true. This is. You, everybody can look this up. <laughs> he used to. He used to smoke joints as he walked. <laughs> home from the Boston Garden after game. Yep. He got arrested one day with over a pound of weed on him. Uh-oh. And it was a misdemeanor Class C. Must have been an overtime game. No, well, uh, it was personal. He, he called it personal use. Since it was for personal use, it was only a misdemeanor. <laughs> I, I, that's a long time. If you, like, Just put it simply, folks, like a pound of cigarettes would probably last somebody that was a chain smoker, probably like two months. So yeah, well, the chief had some extra cash, and you know the guy's seven foot tall. It might take <laughs> a little bit more to enter and affect his system and relax him a little bit. The chief was okay. I just—that's yeah, why he was so slow getting over there, coach. That's, that's where we get back. <laughs> All right, and uh, finally on the NBA, I find it odd, but we pretty much say this every year: how they extend the NBA playoffs to unbelievable proportion. But Oklahoma City. In San Antonio, the matchup we're so anxiously looking forward to, Big Dog. I looked at my TV listings. I thought maybe it starts today. And then I looked ahead. All right, we'll, we'll check in on a Thursday night. Sunday. They don't start till Sunday, the opening game. Explanation, please, for the delay in that uh, great Western Championship Series. Because they have to time it up with the uh, East. What, they, what, you want to be on game four right now while we're still trying to figure out who's uh, coming out of the East? I'm excited. You got to match it up, Coach. I know. I that may be the theory, but that's not helping the fans that want to see this game go. Well, yeah. I, I'm with you, but sometimes you got to build up a little bit of the anticipation. Yeah. All I know is just I think they're going to purposely start the start of uh, the the third game three mm-hmm. to match right up with uh, the triple crown race. I'm sorry to tell you, Coach. No, no. Sorry, yeah. mm-hmm. right. not uh, a problem. I can tape the horse race. And not have to worry about anybody telling me what's going on because nobody follows horse racing anymore. I was so excited about the uh, Preakness finish uh, last weekend, Big Dog. One of my uh-huh. son's friends came over, 16, 17-year-old kid. And I, you know, they're outside shooting baskets. Hey, you guys want to watch the replay of the Preakness? You know what their comment was? What's that? What's the Preakness? They had no idea. Never even heard of it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know, well, I, I know I know what it's like uh, when... Uh... Uh, Pablo Juan Pablo Montoya at Daytona yep. lost control of his car and he hit the refueling truck and it blew up. I was like, guys, the truck just blew up. I said, uh, who cares? I'm like, no, it was like a massive explosion. Yep. Like, yeah, whatever. But I know what you're talking yeah. about. Coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah, last time we mentioned Juan Pablo Montoya on the show, I, I went home and somebody listening to the show thought some guy named Juan got in trouble. He thought Pablo Montoya was like a Mexican uh, uh, crime and, you know, you get put away for six months on that. Well, that wouldn't be bad. 
Because normally, oh, I mean, God. six months, that's like a misdemeanor, because you don't want to mess up in, in Mexico. No. You know, the, the city of Juarez, 94,000 people have been killed in the last four years, Coach. Did you know that? Wow. The citizen, people on the street. That's disgusting. It's, it's by the... By the local government, you know, mm-hmm. nobody really cares, though. It's the government. They must yeah. be doing everything right uh, now. Some, yeah. <laughs> okay. Touche. That is, uh, that's, that's disgusting and unacceptable. Mm-hmm. It is. 888 Hey, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm looking at ESPN right now. Uh-huh. They got a guy named Les Shapiro on. He was in my graduating class. You know this guy? In high school. Are you watching? Uh, no, I'm watching. Uh, he, he's with Skip Bayless right now. I knew he went into TV and radio. And I think he's been out in Denver for a long time, but uh, there he is. 1974, class of New Cheer West. I'll never forget when the cheerleaders came out for the final basketball game. He dressed, and back then it was a little bit more extreme. He dressed in the cheerleader outfit and did the uh, routine along with the cheerleaders. Here I am. As I look a male, up at this. As a, as a serious male cheerleader or a goof having a good time with the girl cheerleader? Uh, somewhere in between. He knew the routine, so he had practice with them. But it clearly, no, no, he was in the skirt. He was in the women's outfit, so he was, you know, he was making fun of it. Uh huh. But so I guess the answer to that is somewhere in the in the in the in between. But there he is. I don't normally I don't normally tell too many of my bad stories. Uh, okay, coach. But when I was a when I was back home and I was just graduated from McMurray College, the the head cheerleader at McMurray College was my girlfriend. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can call her that. Uh, and uh, her name was Jen, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, one of the guys in the school, like, was in love with this girl, was in love with my girlfriend for two years. And he was a real good athlete. He tried out. He would check this out, Coach. He was the backup quarterback at McMurray College. His name was Corey <laughs> Coker. Okay. Okay. He went to Ben Davis High School, which was an Indianapolis champion. He was like a state champion at, in Indianapolis. Couldn't even start at McMurray College. Okay. So he quit the team. He tries out for the for the the cheerleading team and spent all year until one day at the cheerleading party got drunk. Next thing you know, messed around with my girlfriend. And then I, I found out about it. I had to dump that girl. My girl, I mean, to get cheated on by a cheer <laughs> a male cheerleader coach. I have never admitted this ever, ever. But I'm doing it right now. So everybody out there from Magmar was listening. Corey Coker, when he turned into a male cheerleader. Yep, yep. Of course, she said it was revenge because she thought I did something, blah, blah, blah. But we were done after that. No offense, male cheerleaders out there. But I'm just saying it hurt. Like masculinity. I was like, you know, couldn't have been like the center on the basketball team. Something like, you know, at least, you know, we can all shrug our shoulders. No, no, it was a male cheerleader. And he was always the one on the pyramid throwing her up all year. Oh, that's not me. A little lift and tuck, huh? Not happy. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's that's going to the extreme to trying to get a girl to quit the football team mm-hmm. and become a male cheerleader in the hopes that you can uh, get the girl of your dreams. And yeah. unfortunately for you, it succeeded. So to all the young kids out there, hey, you know, the football career is not working. You know, you're not getting enough PT in the in the basketball team. Uh-huh. Take a shot. Might be worth it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, some of my best stories involve that girl. I like how I got the name of Little Cuero. Just like it's, it's all good stuff. Though. <laughs> we better not ask that one on the radio, huh? 
Let's get to some baseball. 888-463-6748. Cubs fans out there, White Sox fans, baseball fans, chime in here a little bit. After our Sox and Cubs loss, we'll do a quick baseball roundup up and wrap them up, too. A little baseball talk with the big dog and the coach. 888-463-6748. You can always email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Big dog, the team that... Uh, is so near and dear to your heart and other body organs have now lost eight games in a row. Houston Astros nine. I'm sorry. I'm getting the games mixed up. That was the White Sox game. Uh, Houston Astros two and the Cubs one. The Cubs violent. The Cubs bats. Shh. Have gone silent. And, uh, okay, we got to take some of the positive stuff out of, out of the game. Yeah, that that uh, should take about 20 was seconds. Decent. That was, that was all as a Chicago Cub. He, he, he gave up a home run to a fire hydrant in the first inning. Jose Altuve, uh, four foot ten inches of him, hit one about 470 feet. Now, that, that was a bomb. I, I honestly think that was one of the farthest balls I've ever I, seen somebody that short hit. I thought I was yeah, watching I Jimmy win the toy cannon. Did, did you did you see the shot, Coach? Replay, not live. Oh yeah, uh, Jose Altuve is five four and a half. Legit, that's what he is. That's, he's only at four ten. Yep, and he hit one. About 50 feet above the 400 foot sign in mm-hmm. left center in in Houston. So I don't know. That's a four. And he was the leadoff hitter, right? First hitter of the game. I think he's a second hitter coach. Okay. Because well, Brendan Schaefer is hurt for them. Michael, no, I, I no, Michael Bourne. Obviously, he's leading off for the Braves now. He had two home runs yesterday. Uh, I'm trying to. He, he was either man first or second, but either, yeah, he had, he was the leadoff hitter. He had a home run. And then they said there was a double after that, and we're like, oh, Chris Volstead all over. <laughs> and the kid settled down, and he, he, he quieted, you know, a very meager, uh, Astros offense. But, mm-hmm. you know, then, then again, gave a couple, uh, runners in the sixth, and his, and Sean Camp couldn't get him out of the situation. And you, at that time, it was, you felt like the Cubs had no chance. When the Cubs went up, when they went, Astros went up 2-1, you were like, there's not going to be any five runs in the ninth inning because they won't be up by ten runs at this point. So. Oh, it was a tough loss, Coach. Yeah, Travis Wood, a kid who struggled badly in spring training, too. He's the young man they traded for. Help me out. Was that Sean Marshall? Yeah, they they, they traded Sean Marshall. They got Travis Wood and a low-level minor leaguer, like a kid mm-hmm. that was like 19, that has a shot at being a pitcher like in six years or so. Okay. They, they didn't they, – I don't know if it was worth it now because, to be honest with you – Bullpens are so important, and when you have a chance to win a game, to be able to put a Sean Marshall in would have been really nice for, mm-hmm. for this team this year. It Sean Marshall, by the way, uh, part of a very interesting, controversial, sad, not tragic yet, but certainly sad story, where he was the closer for the Cincinnati Reds. They made him the closer, and as we've seen here in Chicago, Mark Thornton, Matt Thornton for the White Sox is another example. Excellent eighth-inning guy when you make him the closer. Not that it's a disaster, but they're not as good. Sean Marshall blew some games. Long story short, Cincinnati put him back in the setup role. Well, I don't know if you've been following this story, Big Dog, but the closer, Araldus Chapman? Yes. For the Cincinnati Reds? Trouble? Uh-huh. And then more trouble. Have you followed? Yeah, but here's the thing is uh, his excuse to the police officer was I, I thought it was a credible excuse because let, let's face it, how often can you say this? He got pulled over for doing 98 miles an hour. 93. And he was like, he was like, uh, officer, I can throw the ball 105. <laughs> 93 miles per hour. I and on a suspended driving license. Oh, not good. Yep, not good. Now I don't. I'm, I'm getting from the tone of your voice that you have not heard the not good part number two. 
No, I didn't know that you just spent a driver's license. No, 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 no. That's all part of part one. There's a there's a part two. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. so let's just put it this way. Sean Marshall better get re-comfortable with the closing rule. I don't know the details, but Cuban officials from Cuba have come to uh, arrest or at least call for him back to Cuba for some situation with a security officer where they intimidated, beat up some guy. There's a whole thing to but the 93-mile-an-hour traffic ticket on the suspended license, Big Dog, is now secondary to what the Cuban police are going after him for. So we got ma- dropped, major issues. Are you serious? I just dropped Kevin Euclid and added Aroldis <laughs> Chapman this morning. Right? Why couldn't oh, you? Oh, boy. Right now, when I was in the middle of my diatribe about uh, people chanting for socialism as they marched down my streets of the city of Chicago, I, uh, <laughs> I was dropping Kevin Euclid, and he hit a home run yesterday. Uh, yep. Here, let me see it's if I can. Um, let me see if I can find it. Relief pitcher Araldis Chapman is being sued for 18 million in a lawsuit uh-huh. that accuses him of conspiracy to detain and torture the plaintiff. The suit alleges that when Chapman, who defected from Cuba, was back in Cuba, he and his dad worked with Cuban security forces to help in the arrest, imprisonment, and torture of another Cuban who now lives in Florida. we got big problems. Big problems. Anyhow, Sean Marshall will be closing for the Cincinnati Reds uh, for the near future. No, no. Seriously? I mean, that, that's, that's crazy because, and little, don't forget, he's suing for $18 million. I believe this guy's story as much right now as I believe Aroldis Chapman. I am not about to just assume the man is guilty, Okay. Let's face it, this guy defected from Cuba. Cuban officials are upset about it, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm sure that all the guys in the Cuban government, uh, they're, I'm sure they're all straight-up guys, okay? Uh, <laughs> Coach, that's, uh, that's let's just, let, I'm assuming right now that the guy's innocent, because that's what we do here in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to think that, I'm not beyond thinking that there'd be people in Cuba that'd be more than happy to have him with egg on their face since he left. And then next you know, you tell all those baseball players that might defect from Cuba, hey, did you see what happened? Yep. See what happened to him? Good point. Good so, point. Take that lawsuit with a grain of uh, not just salt, but oregano, garlic, pepper, or whatever else you can find, too. Yeah, you get some dude that's totally a popper saying, hey, we got a couple Cuban officials that say we'll do this. All you have to do is say he imprisoned you, and the, the, the mm-hmm. U.S. government will force this guy to give you 18 mil. They'll probably settle out of court for like four million. Can you live on four million? Yeah, I could. That's a lot of rice and beans, my friend, and open face sandwiches. So, <laughs> all right, real quick on the baseball roundup up, wrap up. We know the Cubs in an eight game losing streak. White Sox got beat nine to two yesterday. Cincinnati did win their game four to three. Brandon Phillips, couple of homers. The Washington Nationals, big dog. Last couple of days, I've been meaning to bring that up. I remember I told you I went to opening day. Cubs play the Nationals, and I didn't know a whole lot about Washington, but I told you. You know what? They're not going to be a bad ball club this year. Well, put a couple exclamation marks next to that because they've had all kinds of injuries. Ryan Zimmerman, they lost their closer. Strasburg coming back from an injury. Uh, Jason Worth. Think you yeah, know a couple. Jason of th- Worth isn't going to hurt him. Well, but the point is they've been raked by injury, but they continue yeah. to play winning baseball. There's something about the Nationals this year. They beat Philadelphia yesterday five to two. I think they're seven eight games above. 500. They won nine of their last 10. Bryce Harper with another. Another two-hit game, Big Dog. The Nationals are special this year. 
Yeah, they, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, we talked about about a week ago how good they were. And we were really worried when uh, their their catcher, uh, you know, Wilson Ramos, went down with the, with the knee. Yep, there's another one I so, forgot to mention. That, I, to me, honestly, Coach, that is by far the most important because you know you're getting Zimmerman back. And, you know, when it's kind of you're like, okay, we got a big bat, an RBI guy, best defensive third baseman in the National League. He'll be back soon. But when you lose your catcher, which is great, they were a pitching staff dominated baseball team, and you don't want to lose the catcher in those situations. And, so. and then uh, like a couple of days later, their backup catcher got injured, not seriously, but he was out for a couple of games. Yeah, and it would have been nice. Gio Soto actually had a couple two-hit games, hit a bomb right after Ramos got hurt, and I'm like, hey, we can move Soto, and right after that, I, I guess the uh, Ramos Ramirez has a bruised ego or something like that, or Gio Soto has a bruised, I can just call him a Ramos Ramirez, can you believe that? <laughs> Gio Soto just has a bruised ego. Uh-huh. All right. At any rate, keep an eye on the Nationals. They win yet again. Nine out of ten. San Francisco knocks off Milwaukee. Six to four. Interesting story here. We haven't talked about them since the start of the season, but Buster Posey, back playing catcher for the San Francisco Giants. He had a uh, home run, three RBIs yesterday, six RBIs last couple of games. You remember before that horrible injury last year, Big Dog, he was one of the top young players in baseball. Looks like he's starting to get the mojo back. Yeah, that would be cool. It would be Good for the for the game of baseball because you would hate to see a career ended on such an ugly play and yep. an ugly incident for yep. baseball. So uh, I, I've been rooting for uh, Buster Posey to get healthy ever since he got run over by Cody Ross or if he even gets no, it wasn't Cody Ross. I don't want to get the guy's name wrong. Did you see the, the uh, you see the play at home yesterday where Melky Cabrero fired the ball home to get the runner? Um. No, I did not go. Okay, well, the, first of all, it was a great throw, and you know how the two of us are amazed at how seldom we see an outfielder actually gun down a runner at the plate from distance. It's like nothing like the old old school baseball players used to be able to do. They did it on a fairly regular basis. Melky Cabrera with a great throw. But Buster Posey guarding home plate, <laughs> he was nowhere near the plate. And I think oh, yeah. I heard the uh, expert even say that he's been instructed not to block the plate anymore. But he got the guy out. But he was nowhere even near, not even thinking about blocking the plate of the play at home. Uh, just to let you know, so and I think this is one of the most brilliant, brilliant moves that the Giants front office or manager uh, has done. And they basically told him, they, they're like, no, if you block the plate, we're going to fine you. They're like, give the guy a place to slide. They're like, you're not worth one run. And so, and they made it public. So now it's not, no one's ever going to say, oh, Buster Posey's gun shy because he got ran over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the front office has stepped in front, and so I think they've, the Giants have handled that like great coach. Mm-hmm. You know what? And you know what? It, in some sense, why not? If it, if it ain't like an elimination game, really, you know, in some sense. And I think baseball needs to, there needs to start be like a gentleman rule that, yeah. you know, a catcher leaves an area to slide into. Well, we, and, we, we talked you know, about this last year. Uh-huh. We don't, unfortunately, don't have time to get in it now, but that, to me, there should be some kind of rule, uh, you know, but, but never, never should a player be able to lower his shoulder and barrel into well, a fielder who is looking at the ball. He's blocking the plate for me, Coach. I, that's exactly right. how I would do it. All right. If, if I'm coming around and the guy gives me no option, and that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Well, again, we don't have time to get into it right now. Big Dog, we got about a minute and a half left. Three obituaries, a couple that were a little bit old and bringing up, but uh, 
Three obituaries of note for you to wax poetic on. We lost two of, uh, I guess you could say, the disco eras. Greatest musicians, Donna Summer passing away. Maurice Gibb is the Gibb family. Man, they've had some bad health luck, huh? And then uh, yesterday, the creator of the remote control, I believe his name is Eugene Poli, passed mm-hmm. away. Three obits, very, very sad. Uh, Poli died like a cancer for Gibb. What did Donna Summer die of? It was some I'm kind of, sure, I, I think, a heart ailment. But she okay. had been, it was not sudden. She had been sick also. No, she, she died, it was a form of cancer. I okay. can look it up. Okay, and uh, Poli died because of a sedentary lifestyle. The guy had invented the remote control. Well, <laughs> when you're 102 years old, sedentary is about, you know, it, you don't have a whole lot of choices. He was 102? Holy cow. Never mind. How, how old was he, David? Off the top of my head, 97, but I'll look that up. Ah, okay, that, that's good enough. You you get over it. <laughs> You've done your uh, good diligence, seriously. Yeah. That's good stuff. Right yeah. There. And one of the great, I think of the two of us could agree, most sports fan, one of the great inventions of all time. I don't think I'm exaggerating too much. Yeah, yes. And, it, and, and but it also, women everywhere love it because they, that's their weapon with men. <laughs> men get the remote control and the women get everything else. That's just how life goes, Coach, and I can deal with it. I have no problem. Yes, David. Uh, Dedication to accuracy. He was 96, Ah. and Donna Summer did indeed die of lung cancer. Still a young man. All right, Dahl, we got to sign off. Uh, Phenomenal job. We will do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock, waterwriters.com. Better, everybody. (laughs) Waterwriters.com. Have a great day, everybody. 10 o'clock tomorrow, two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. Signing off. Go Cubs. Let's get a victory today, please.